0: Welcome to a podcast about wealth and life. We all know that our finances play a big part in how we live our lives. In this podcast, the advisors from Foster and Motley share insights and information about investment and financial planning topics and how they connect to your life.
1: You've talked about buying that second home. It might be a place to vacation or just get away for some quality time. But before you do that, Foster and Motley's Rachel Rasmussen and Joe Patterson have some thoughts to offer. I'm Patrice Sacora. And folks, why are we talking about this?
2: I think it's because our clients are asking. You know, it's on their minds. We'll we'll go into a meeting. They said, you know, I might have a goal of one day owning a lake house or a house by the beach, just a place to unwind. What would that do to my financial picture? And that's kind of where Joe's work comes in. Testing those various scenarios. Ohio has some interesting weather. So get away in the winter or or even in the summer if you don't like the heat.
3: Yeah, we get the benefit of days like today where it's going to be 95 and heat indexes into the hundreds. (laughs) And, you know, but we can still touch below zero on occasion in the winter. So. Uh, whether you're seeking, seeking warm in the winter or cool in the summer, it's definitely on on people's minds. and continues to be, and, and understandably so.
1: Now, you were saying, I'm thinking about a goal of having another home. Is it mostly owning that people want to do?
3: I think people have in their minds that they want to be owners of a second home. So in uh, and, and that case, you're using some sort of financing, which we'll get into, to purchase that second home. Uh, I don't think folks think about necessarily renting and renting over a longer term of we're talking months in many cases, Uh, but those are really kind of the two key options with some corollaries to owning. You can buy a second home in a place that that you really enjoy and want to make regular visits to, or you can rent a second home in places that you enjoy. Uh, those those come with benefits, those come with drawbacks, uh, and we hope to dig into those a little bit more today.
2: And, and it's highly dependent on, on everyone's situation. Each client has a different set of circumstances, a different set of goals, what they're trying to get out of it. And our job is just to ask questions, have that conversation, and and get them thinking about all of the implications of whether they want to own or rent or maybe put it off for a couple of years. Well, what
1: should people think about, let's start with buying first, buying and owning that second home. What are the things people should have in their minds when they go to this possibility?
3: Yeah, I think think question 1A is, why do you want this property? Is this for your personal use only? Is this something you view as a rental opportunity, meaning you're going to rent it out when you're not using it? Uh, Is it some combination thereof? I think in practice we find, and and we observe many folks who have intentions, okay, I'll buy a second home and I'm just going to rent it when I'm not using it. That sounds like a very thoughtful approach, right? This is a big purchase, uh, regardless of who we're talking about. Uh, I'll get some income on this property when I'm not there. I find that that happens little to none of the time. For folks who have that in their minds. (laughs) And you know, it makes sense, right? Because say you buy a property at Lake Norris, you know, that's a that's a a hot spot for Cincinnati folks. Great, great accessible place to visit during the summer. Are you gonna rent your property in Norris on Labor Day or Fourth of July? No, you're gonna be there. So you wanna rent it in April? When no one wants to be there, well, sure, you'll rent in April no (laughs) one wants to be there. So I think that folks find that ownership brings all the responsibilities of normal home ownership, right? It's not cheap, right? There's logistics to to it. If you're not living there, you either got to find a way to handle it, which means make a trek down for the weekend to devote to maintenance or you got to pay someone to do it. And we're, of course, in a world now where everything costs more than it used to, right, and continues to do so. So I think those are kind of some key potential concerns about buying is what are you going to use it for are you truly going to rent it is this you know is this just for enjoyment for the family now on the other hand it's wonderful to have a place that's yours and is set up to your liking that you can come and go as you please a lot of our clients want to make these second or third homes, a spot for for the family to gather, right? As they age, they have kids, they have grandchildren. The, these spots become a gathering place, and that's it's hard to put a price on that. And so that's the
2: flexibility the- too, of being able to go when you want and not have to think months in advance about getting that rental and getting all of that planned. You know, just being able to to go down on a whim. That ideas in people's minds. Hey, I wouldn't really have to plan that far. We could just go when it's convenient. And there's something to be said about sleeping in your own bed, so we get that.
3: So what we, we talked about one a. Why do you wa- why do you want to buy a property? One b. Arguably as important as one a is budget. Right. What can you afford? Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's where, as Rachel mentioned, we kind of look back at each individual client's financial situation. How does this affect their long-term financial independence? Maybe it doesn't affect it at all. How are you going to fund the purchase? You're going to take out a mortgage. Mortgage rates are higher than they were six months ago. Still relatively low historically, but, but gone at least for now or the, is the world of you know, sub 3% mortgage rates. So are you going to take money out of your portfolio? What's it going to cost to take money out of your portfolio? Is there a tax implication to doing so? Uh, there may be, there may not. So budget and really kind of in line with budget is what's the cost to maintain this property? If you're in a desirable area, most likely you're gonna pay a chunk of real estate taxes. You have to keep this place up just like you do your primary residence, which we talked about. If you're looking in desirable places like Florida, it's getting real expensive to insure property Mm. in Florida where you have significant risk from climate related events. So all those costs are notable, right? You probably want to involve an attorney to set up an LLC to own that second property. So there's there's a lot of startup costs in the form of purchasing down payment, however you're getting at that initial funding. And there's ongoing costs. And that's the second layer of ongoing costs on top of whatever you're paying to own your current home.
2: And when you take out money out of your portfolio to potentially fund a purchase like this, well, your portfolio generates income. So you're taking an income producing asset and turning it into um, an asset that is really priced at the, when you're going to buy it and when you're going to sell it. And the in-betweens not really impacting you much other than the expense of the upkeep and the liability and uh, insurance and so forth, as Joe mentions. But when you take out of your portfolio, well, you've reduced your cash flow somewhat. And what does that mean for your monthly withdrawals or, or things like that? Uh, and further, when you're buying a single property as opposed to owning, say, a publicly traded REIT that owns several properties, well, you lose a bit of diversification depending on the size of the portfolio. If you have a quite large portfolio and you're buying a condo, well, that's one thing. But if you're buying a nice house or a house or any house in Florida right now, because it's so expensive, a lot, a large amount of your money is going to be tied up in this one property. And whatever happens in that one geography is going to impact you as opposed to having your investment spread out among many different geographies, many different uh, set of risk.
1: And speaking of geographies, suppose you do buy something that's in a really popular area or it may fall out of favor. What does that do to your ability to sell this if, in fact, you intend to sell?
2: Well, we think about, is this an area where people live and that is their primary place of residency? Or is this community a set of vacation homes for people all over the country. Well, what happens when times get tough? People look to sell some property or offload some assets. What is that going to mean for the value of your property or your ability to sell when you have many others trying to do that at the same time? So, Whether an area is really desirable or not, whether it's mainly people owning the second home or they live there all the time, those are things to be thinking about um, when you're considering area and location. And again, if you are in waterfront property, uh, hurricane prone areas, we've seen a really big increase in premiums, even sometimes insurers pulling out of the market altogether. So that's something that you maybe can't foresee and something you have to contend with as you go forward. Well, if you can't get insurance, well, do you sell the properties Are other people thinking about doing that at the same time? And what does that mean for your exit price uh, from a, from a return standpoint?
3: It kind of comes back to one a of why are you doing this in the first place? And if you're doing it to create this, this long-term spot for you and your family to gather that in theory, mitigates some of that concern about, all right, do I have to sell quickly? And hopefully, based on the work our clients do with us, they're not in a position where they're gonna be forced to liquidate a second home quickly, but it happens, right? So it's something to think about. Another common issue that's raised, potentially a benefit, of course, is a residency. I wanna buy a place in Florida be a Florida resident. So that in theory can come with some benefit, and it's good to know and understand what the benefit is. Yeah. Obviously on the surface, the benefit is I don't have to pay state of Ohio income tax if I live in the state of Florida where there is no state income tax. Uh, but it's good to know what the what that actually is, right? What are the real dollars? You may be saving less than you think. Uh, you may be saving a lot. So it's good to understand that and understand your tax situation and how it could potentially benefit and understand residency requirements. You know, with Ohio and many states, it's more about how long you're not in Ohio versus how long you're in Ohio. So um, understanding, ticking all the boxes for for residency, if that's a goal is to establish residency in a different state that potentially gives you some tax benefit.
2: Joe, you brought up a good point that our clients generally aren't in this position where they need to buy and sell quickly. They have time to figure it out. And in fact, when they're thinking about buying properties, sometimes they say well this will be a place for our family to gather and after we're gone it'll be a place for their kids and their kids and so forth well that brings about its own set of considerations and things that you need to think through from a estate planning perspective. What does that really look like, that shared ownership? Maybe it's not as as, uh, easy as you think. Maybe the kids don't have as much time as you think they will. Um, Just just some considerations um, to think through as you are deciding whether you're going to do a second home purchase.
1: Well, then that brings up the question of why buy, why
2: not rent? That's something. Joe and I talk to clients about quite frequently. Hey, maybe in the first year, rather than making a big decision, a big money decision, you go and check out the location, rent a place for a couple months, see what it's like to be there and be there long-term. And maybe you decide well, this isn't quite right, I want to go maybe a little north because the beach is a little bit better, or maybe I want to be on this ski mountain and not that ski mountain. Just go feel what it's like to be there, to live there on a daily basis. You know, I had some clients who offloaded properties because the restaurants got too crowded. They just said, Hey, this, this experience wasn't what I thought we we're just going to rent from now on and we can kind of go to a new place each and every year. So I think that flexibility is really helpful. And of course it's a one-time expense when you say Joe
3: one and done, (laughs) one and done. So there's kind of two things here. One is renting is an option permanently, right? Uh, Rachel brings up a great point that for folks who are thinking about making a move that involves a purchase, we do highly encourage them to find a long term rental in the area and feel that area, live in that area, understand it. You know, I think we all have some good examples. I have some folks who are very thoughtful about moving. They were planning to move to an area a little further out west, they had family out there. They had grown up near there. It seemed like a very easy move, but they hedged their bet, rented for a while. I think they rented for six months and came to a very stark and mutual decision that this wasn't the place for them. On the surface, it had all the uh, ticked, all the boxes, so to speak. So that was an opportunity for them to avoid some buyer's remorse in an area that was a we call it a hot area, but I still call it a hot area. Uh, and then they ended up making a kind of completely different move to a different part of the country. And it's been a win for them. So but if you want to say, you know, I don't like the commitment, the expense of ongoing maintenance the responsibility, then renting every year is an option. Now we're talking about this at an interesting crossroads and this conversation looks different than a year or two or three ago. We have very hot real estate markets for buyers because there's just a, a an imbalance of supply and demand right now. And more people want to buy homes in Florida and other areas where our clients want to be during certain times of year than there is supply of those properties. But arguably the rental market is even hotter than the selling market right now for the same reason. There's just not enough supply. So a lot and, of folks are yeah. seeing these numbers on rents that are kind of staggering and not what they're used to Uh, used to be that, you know, if you owned a rental property and you could find, let's say a retired couple in their mid sixties to rent your place for two or three months, that's a win. You know, you got a good tenant. They're not going to trash the place. They're going to, they're going to be able to afford to pay you. They're going to pay it all up front. Now we're seeing rates double in many cases or more Uh, minimum three month commitment, you know, where in the past it was one or two. So uh, the cost to renting while still lower in many ways than owning has gone up a lot and it makes it less, maybe a little less appealing. Again, you know, the benefit you show up, you, you enjoy yourself. You live in this place for a short period of time. You know, if something breaks, it's not your problem, you know, the property manager can deal with it and you can come back next year or not. So, so that flexibility is really appealing to some it's less to others, right? Because in some ways it's less flexible. You have to, to Rachel, point from earlier some of these places you got to book a year out and you might not even be quick enough um, you're you're kind of at their mercy you know if something goes wrong you may be in a place where you can't get something dealt with and you're living in a spot that, that doesn't work and you got to sort out other arrangements you might want to rent for longer than you prefer some people don't want to be somewhere three months they want to be there one or two so yeah there's clearly not a like an obvious answer here, right? Of like, should I rent? Should I buy? Um, The one thing that is clear to to us though, is that each individual has different circumstances and different resources. And for some folks buying a second home, our conversation is, okay, go ahead and do it. You can afford it. And others it's, hey, let's dig into the details a little more and see if this compromises your long-term Financial independence and understand how we're going to fund it and do so in a tax effective manner.
2: And there are plenty of people who can afford a second home, but that doesn't necessarily mean they want to. Part of the joy of traveling is to try a new place, try a new location, new culture, new sites. And you lose that benefit when you commit to a long term property. And or maybe you have this guilt, oh, well, I can't go to a new place because we have this home and I need to make sure I use it. And that sunk cost that has already uh, been been had, end up making decisions going forward based on that. And part of the joy of traveling is having choice and flexibility. And so rentals give you that. But I also wonder if if part of the reason the rental market has gotten so expensive is in in covid you had a lot of dislocation people moving from different states for better weather therefore kind of bidding up the prices of these more desirable lo- locations and who knows how long that lasts who who knows how how long interest rates stay where they are all of that changes with the markets and that's really beyond our control what are the things that we can control well make some very thoughtful decisions with the help of an advisor. And we're not going to tell people what to do. We're just going to provide them the information. And from there, you, they're in the, the pilot seat.
1: Joe, and you wrap up? Yeah,
3: we're not going to tell them what to do. We're going to tell them whether it'll work, right? I think that's the key. I feel strongly, as does Rachel, about get some data, get some lived experience, right? Visit these places, ideally live in these places if you can make that work. Do your research, talk to people in the area, talk to a qualified agent in the area. Understand all all, all you can before making the decision to buy, right? Because buying comes with a lot of sunk cost, and you hate to get a year or two in and be like, oh, this just isn't the place for for us or me. This doesn't work. And now we're in sort of a tenuous time where, Either the market isn't turned down right the housing market is still quite strong but admittedly is slowing right and that's understandable rates have gone up significantly this year so it's more expensive to to buy and own property uh, so so that's slowing eventually I mean we're gonna have a time when the property you bought three months ago or six months ago isn't hasn't appreciated right this happened. with under different circumstances in heading up to 2007, 2008, right? You couldn't buy a property that didn't go up in value until it didn't. So we're not so naive to think that that isn't going to happen again. And if you are a long-term owner and this isn't a place that you're looking to flip in a year or two, those fluctuations shouldn't matter much. So again, as Rachel said, talk to your advisor, understand how this impacts your long-term plan or doesn't impact it. Think about how you're going to afford the additional expense and we can help you walk through the legal concerns, the tax concerns, the liability concerns, all those things that come along with it as an owner of a second property.
2: Yeah. And also remember, just because you have ownership in a property and it improves your balance sheet if the property goes up, it's not necessarily equaling Cash flow to you, income to your household. So, thinking about what that impact would have to your day to day is also important, and that's that's where an advisor like like Joe and I we can help with that discussion and just make sure we're looking at this from lots of different angles. But it's a fun topic. You know, you work your whole life um, to do the things you want to do. And this is the fun part of the job getting to see clients enjoy that benefit and live their best life. So that's one of the best parts of this job. When you say Joe,
3: <laughs> yep, couldn't have said
1: it better. Well, how can listeners reach you?
2: You can reach us on our website, fosterandmotley.com, or give us a call, 513 561 6640. We would love to speak with you.
1: Well, Rachel and Joe, this was really a very interesting conversation. I am I have a feeling a lot of people are thinking, second home, hmm, maybe renting. I better talk to them first. And I hope they do reach you. Follow this Foster & Motley podcast about life and wealth. And please rate and review, and of course, share with others. And I'm Patrice Sikora.
0: Thank you for listening to Foster & Motley, a podcast about wealth and life. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information discussed and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Foster and Motley. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Keep in mind that rules and regulations are subject to change. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions regarding your financial planning and investments. Foster & Motley is not affiliated with any third-party providers. Any mention of a third-party provider does not imply an endorsement of that provider. If you decide to utilize a third-party provider, you do so at your own risk.